Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality, with an emphasis on BDSM, kink, and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this week I speak with author and activist Race Bannon. In this first part of a two-part series, I talk with Race about how societal pressures shape men, both in positive and negative ways, and also how that is changing over time, what we can hope to expect in the future. And is it possible to co-opt some of the acceptance movement to let men be a bit more than just your stereotypical man's man? Before we get started, I want to send a very special thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you so much for the support you give to this show. I really enjoy the interaction I have with you, and I cannot imagine trying to produce this show without your support. If you would like to become a patron, head over to our website at wickedfellow.com. You can find all of our links there, our social media sites, and of course our adult sites are there as well. Again, that's wickedfellow.com. It is a great pleasure to have Race on the show again. If you remember from our last episode, Race Bannon is an author and activist. He's a longtime member of the gay men's leather community, as well as being just a force for good in the kink sphere overall. He wrote a very good book called Learning the Ropes that I cannot recommend highly enough. I would also like to point you to his Substack, where he posts very thought-provoking articles on any subject you can imagine, from theater to social justice to what he's read recently. And I always look forward to his new articles. I'll have his information in the show notes below. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Race Bannon. That actually kind of leads right into one of the first questions I wanted to ask you. This whole conversation, I'm putting together another part in my series on kind of positive masculinity, kind of a counter to toxic masculinity. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about both how our culture and our society, the expectations placed on men, how that's kind of driving part of the toxic masculinity. And I realized that a lot of at least hetero guys, it's almost like drag. It's almost a performative masculinity. This came to mind a couple of, I guess about a month ago, watching a movie with my partners, hit me really hard emotionally, start to tear up. And my first response, can't cry in front of my partners, can't let them see me cry. And I'm not, I'm not in any way insecure about that. I know that they wouldn't think less of me, but my first instinct, I have to hide. I can't show them that I'm feeling emotions because of this scene. And that kind of started one ball rolling on other things that I've been thinking about. So I thought I'd talk to a renowned expert on men. <laughs> and one of the first questions I wanted to ask you was, what do you admire in men, in your male friends, in men in general? Oh, that's a good question. I think probably most of what I admire in men is the same thing I admire in everybody and of any gender. But the thing I admire in a man that I think highly of is usually them being as much themselves as possible, regardless of what others think. Hmm. Obviously, I don't want them to be an asshole or destructive or anything like that. But apart from that, just being themselves, because we have a society that's constantly nudging us to not be ourselves. We're supposed to be better looking. We're supposed to be better dressed. We're supposed to have more money. We're supposed to have more power. We're supposed to have more prestige and all these kinds of things. And, you know, alluding to what you said, a lot of masculinity is often performative because that's what's expected. And so people literally perform it. And um, so people that are really themselves, I admire. That's 
what I would admire the most in a man and probably what I would admire the most in anyone. I absolutely admire that as well. It's kind of an integrity of character. And that's one of the things that I admire confidence in men. But I think that for me, what confidence in men looks like is very different than John Wayne strutting into a saloon confidence. It is the confidence to be vulnerable, the confidence to cry, the confidence to say, I'm afraid or I don't know. And that is such a rare commodity, I find, at least in, you know, the guys that I hang out with. And I hang out with a fairly, you know, liberated, not super repressed set of guys, but they still carry this weight of, I have to be tough. I have to be hard. I have to be sure and confident, even if I don't feel confident. So the confidence to say, I don't know, the confidence to say I'm afraid or I'm hurting. This kind of goes into a thought I had on male friendships. And this is something that I would be very interesting to hear your thoughts on is that reading an article recently saying that men are becoming more and more isolated. And it seems like we're at kind of a peak of isolation online as part of that. You know, we're living our lives online and finding friends online, which is good and positive in some ways. But it seems like there's less hanging out on a couch or at a bar or at an event with men. I would imagine, because of the way you live your life, that you do have a lot of men friends. And that's more comfortable and perhaps more common. So, yeah, your thoughts on male friendships, how? We'll start with that. I do have a lot of male friends. Uh, I think that at least in certain parts of the gay men's community, it's a little bit easier to have friends because we are used to going and being with each other to be with our own kind, for lack of a better way of saying it. Whereas, you know, the average heterosexual man has to just walk out on the street and there's a bunch of heterosexual men. Um, so we are used to kind of seeking friends out. That said, I think that some gay men suffer from the same kind of isolation and potentially loneliness that anyone suffers from. But I do think that whether it's online, whether it's the fear of vulnerability that really close friendship brings, um, I think that's uh, something that, you know, once you become really close to somebody, you need to reveal yourself a little bit. And a lot of people are afraid to reveal themselves. So from what I've read, when you were talking about reading something, um, yes, a lot of men do not have close friends. And of course, they are typically talking about heterosexual men. Um, but I can say it, it, you know, it happens in the gay men's community as well. That said, I'll have a lot of really good male friends and friends of all genders, but I primarily hang out with gay men just because that's who I mostly hang out with. And I do have a lot of friends, some that um, I see two, three times a week and, you know, we hang out. So do you think being gay frees you from some of those societal expectations that allows you to be vulnerable with male friends? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The moment you're part of um, any kind of outside group, um, it does liberate you a little bit that you don't have to necessarily um, abide by the social mores and, and the positives and negatives of general culture because you're already kind of an outsider. And um, so, yeah, gay men have always, I think, had a certain amount of freedom to be themselves when they're with other gay men or at least queer people generally. And it's thrust upon us that we're supposed to be a little different. Mm -hmm. Being a little different is no big deal. We don't feel like we have to uh, conform in quite the way I think maybe heterosexual men 
do. Uh, so yeah, I think we've got in that sense a bit of an advantage. Do you think so like societal expectations? Do you feel like the same sometimes toxic expectations of masculinity, you're just kind of excused from that? As a gay man, does it feel like, you know, I don't have to be this rugged axe swinging guy. I can just be myself. If I want to see theater, I can be theater. If I want to be this, I can be that. It's almost like discrimination in a positive sense. Like I'm free from that. I don't have to be your idea of masculinity because you already don't expect me to be your idea of masculinity. I, I think for the most part, that's true. Um, there are elements certainly within my own leather king fetish um, set of communities there is sort of a, a, a unique niche of men that still abide by the hyper-masculinity absolutism around kink. Mm -hmm. And um, they are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking in numbers, uh, either because they're fading out of the scene or because they are changing their minds. But for the most part, those kind of social expectations to be masculine and, and to uh, abide by those social constructs is not as strong with gay men. So you could have somebody, you know, dressed in head to toe leather, looking very much the Tom of Finland, hyper-masculine guy. And, you know, they have no problem talking about opera or cookie recipes. Those expectations are not with us in the same way that uh, I think perhaps heterosexual men have to deal with. I don't, this is an interesting thing as to where that training and conditioning comes in. I'm in my mid-40s. Nobody's going to give me a hard time if I want to go see a play or do something non-masculine. But I know that growing up, you know, definitely middle America, high school, and before that, there were very strong uh, peer pressure and also just kind of societal pressure. I definitely grew up in a very old school, boys don't cry, this is how men act. This is how you're supposed to be. You're not going to play the flute. <laughs> if you're going to play an instrument, it's going to be the drums. If you're going to do something you know, like sports, you're not going to do ballet. You're going to do football. You know, those conditionings, I don't know if I can trace it back, but I think that men are kind of forged in that and then they carry it. I don't know if there's a lot of pressure on me now, but I still feel those pressures even though I kind of, I left all that aside, even back in high school, you know, I did play football, but I was also in band. I was wrestling, but I was also in vocal choir. I lived in both of those worlds. I didn't feel like I really fit in the jock mindset. I fit more with the more theatrical and more, you know, I want to say sophisticated, but that's not really fair to the jocks, but a more refined world of, I want to see the symphony. I also like to play football. Those two things, there were very strong pressures. And, you know, not to be offensive, the worst thing that, you know, a bunch of jocks could tell you is, oh, are you gay? Is that why you're in band? You know, is that who you are? When I was in high school, it was still the height of the AIDS epidemic. And we got incredible flack. Um, our choir decided to wear an AIDS ribbon, the old AIDS awareness ribbon. We got a lot of flack and a lot of really ugly language thrown at us because we wore that ribbon in kansas so i definitely came out of that society of and it's, it's a very toxic thing it's saying you can't be who you are you can't pursue the interests that you have you have to conform to this style of masculinity or we're going to expel you from our group and we're going to attack you because of that no 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 um i agree with you i think men are forged and i think all men whether they're gay or not are forged that way 
um, when we're growing up. I remember when I was, um, I had a very progressive father in many ways, and actually one of the best fathers I could possibly imagine having. But I remember one day when I wanted to take baton twirling lessons, and I remember his reaction, and it was, ooh, and so I just backed away. I didn't even, you know, request that. Mm -hmm. Um he never pushed me into the kind of sports things. Um, I was grateful I found gymnastics. So it was kind of this fine line between, well, it's not really jock jock stuff, but I'm a jock. So I I, I was able to sort of find that. I found theater. Um, gay men, straight men were all forged that way up to a point. And I think gay men, once they come out and they're comfortable with themselves, they eschew some of that. They, they drop a little bit of that. But that programming is still with us. And um, I think, again, I think that there's certain men in the Leather King fetish scene that still abide by that hyper-masculine necessity for all kinky gay men. And of course, that's that's kind of going out the window now. We're, we're pretty much a hodgepodge of all sorts of stuff, of which that hyper-masculine image is one. Um, but I think all men are forged that way, gay or not, um, any 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 background at some point you chuck it at least some of it or you keep it i personally having hung around a lot of heterosexual men that are pretty progressive i mean they're hanging out with me and you know they, they treated me as sort of one of their own and even amongst those guys i would occasionally pick up this you, we talked about performative stuff going on or ooh that kind of nudges up against your masculinity and that's that problematic for you isn't it and these are with some pretty progressive guys these are not toxic masculine people as far as I'm concerned. So I think, yeah, I think we're all forged that way and we have to kind of move away from it because it will it will consume you and pretty soon you you reach my age and if you've been wrapped up in it and you go, ooh, I spent my whole life that way and that wasn't cool. Yeah. There's two threads there. One is I'm hoping and I, I get the feeling that, you know, kids in high school right now, it's a different world than it was when I was growing up. You know, as I was in high school in the 90s, it was one thing. I think being in high school now is different. I don't think we've solved the problem. But from experiences that I've had with people that are of that age or have kids in that age, it does seem like we're starting to shift. Like we're getting away from it being quite so toxic and quite so pushy. We're becoming more accepting and kids are being taught that to be accepting is cool. If your friend comes out as trans, you support them. You don't attack them. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying that there, I'm sure there are kids that are really suffering because of their expression of their identity, but I do feel like it's easier. I know that, you know, I can't imagine a kid coming out as trans in my high school, what miserable existence that would have been for them you know, no support and... Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I mean, I'm significantly older than you. If I was, I knew I was gay when I was seven or eight years old and fighting that, you know, tooth and nail for a very, very long time. But things are changing. Um, if you looked at, I think it's the latest Gallup poll, which was kind of surprising for a lot of people. 23% of 18 to 25 year olds identify somewhere on the queer spectrum. Um, that's huge. And now I realize that that queer spectrum is a very, very broad spectrum. There's a lot of heterosexual leaning guys that consider themselves kind of queer. There's people that are are truly bi. There's people that are going, they might um, be trans. They might simply feel so different that they identify more with the queer community. It's become this kind of big bucket into which a lot of people um, fall now. But think about that. 23% of 18 to 25-year-olds. And when they grow up, that's 
that are gonna on some level currently or have identified somewhere on the queer spectrum. That's kind of amazing. That's a quarter of the population. I think it's gonna change things. I wouldn't think that people have changed. I would have said that when I was in high school, 25% would have identified had they been free to, had they been allowed to. And if we become more progressive and we become more accepting, it wouldn't surprise me to see that percentage rise. You know, the idea that only, you know, 6% or 10%, you know, of the entire population is something other than straight hetero, that seems unlikely to me. And I think that, you know, centuries of oppression, but, you know, just within the last 50 years, I think people that would have been happy to come out and wanted to come out, long to come out as anything but hetero, just couldn't. It was too difficult for them or they would have lost too much. I don't know. I know that, you know, obviously gay men have been coming out long before. I think a personal example, after my father passed away, I learned much to my surprise that he was at least a transvestite, but probably gay. You know, I don't know because we never discussed it. He never had any conversation with me about it. And I can say that in his views and talking to me, he was, he was pretty progressive. He was a very sophisticated man. He never said anything anti-gay, but it was clear that he was very uncomfortable anytime, you know, homosexuality or anything other than heterosexuality came up. And so, yeah, it was very surprising to me like, oh, you, you've been hiding this this whole time. Now that I'm, you know, getting rid of your things and putting your stuff away, I know that you had another side that you were unable to express. You probably felt like you could never tell me. You probably couldn't tell your much more conservative, you know, family. But I wish, I, I really wish he had been able to tell me. I know that at that time of my life, I was very accepting of that. And I feel like I could have been supportive. But I don't think he ever felt like, you know, I can come out. I can tell you about this, what I consider a dark secret. And so we find out later. You know, obviously he had contemporaries that were you know, able to come out. So why he was not able to, I don't know. For him, it wasn't something he could do. I don't judge him for that. I, I wish I understood it more, where he was coming from. I think for anyone who, gay or queer, any, in any way, shape, or form, who has family, um, it might be a little tougher because you're always afraid that that family is going to reject you. Whereas if you're coming out to the world, yes, some friends might reject you, but it's not quite the same necessarily as friends rejecting you. So I live in San Francisco. I live in a fairly progressive place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I realize I'm seeing the world often through the lens of San Francisco or some of the big urban areas that I've, I've lived in most of my life. But then I travel and I do go to some smaller towns and I think it's probably nearly as hard, maybe not quite as hard as it used to be, but nearly as hard for people in those environments to come out, um, you know, in rural, in highly religious communities, um, in a big families, people that come from big families that have to come out. I think it's still really tough, but it's better than it used to be. And I also think it's easier now for a completely heterosexual man to be and and express themselves as they choose and now it's also much you know easier than it used to be but not perfect i think we still live in a very biased and bigoted culture it's interesting to me because he had openly gay friends and it was acknowledged that for him he was comfortable with that we hung out together and he was not close to his family i don't want to try to psychoanalyze all this it was his particular situation, I feel like it made it so isolated towards the end of his life 
you know, living in a small town in, in middle America. And I think it was terribly isolating for him. I don't know. I wish that he had been able to. I wish I could have been there to support him in that. But it does get me along those lines of thinking of, you know, his conditioning growing up, who he chose to be, who he felt free to be. And again, that societal pressure of you will be this way or we will not accept you. And that, you know, I hope things are better now. I feel like things are moving towards better, but we're obviously not there. Read the headlines right now. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. Um, and and I also think that, you know, the kink scene is generally more accepting of a wider diversity of people than the mainstream scene is. So I'm hopeful certainly within our within our own scene, but I'm fairly hopeful hopeful generally. But it does seem like over time things are getting better. Right now, especially trans people, drag queens are being hit hard because it's this social issue that the right has decided to to weaponize but generally the population the average person is way more accepting of all kinds of people than they were once upon a time so i think things overall are getting better we have these little bumps in the road <laughs> um and and they need to be addressed but i think overall things are getting a lot better and i think that also is better for to go back to you know a heterosexual man who always feels like they have to performatively be masculine and that kind of stuff um, I think it's getting better for that too, at least um, in, in amongst the men that I know, they feel like they can be more themselves. But I don't know, maybe it's a little easier for gay men. I don't know. Are we stuck with what we have, having grown up when we did? Is it possible to give men permission to be themselves, to give them permission to explore the full range of what being a man is? You know, say, hey, it's okay. If you want to be tough and you like football, cool. Would you also like to explore the arts? Because there's a whole world out here. You've been given a very limited palette of colors and emotions that are acceptable to you. We want you to know that you can paint with the whole spectrum. You can be whoever you want to be. Do you feel like it's possible to kind of co-opt some of the progressive energy in that we're learning to be more accepting of who people are at the extremes? You know, we're saying, it's okay if you're trans, it's okay if you're gay. You know. Is it okay to wash that towards the rest of humanity and say, hey, you know what? Actually, all of you can be whoever you want to be. All of you can be everything that your personality will allow you to be. Um, I, I think so. I have seen changes in people. I don't think we change in a linear way. I think we change in fits and starts. And sometimes we make quantum leaps. And I've seen people go from very stereotypical performative masculinity, feeling very trapped and, and then something happens in their life and all of a sudden they feel very, very liberated to be exactly who they wanna be. And sometimes that takes years and sometimes it happens in five minutes that they just have that tipping point moment and it just they just have it. So I think we're, we're stuck with programming because that's what it is. I mean, I, I can't stop whatever eight years of Catholic school did to me. I can't stop what growing up in a, you know, blue collar Irish, you know, neighborhood made me, I can't, I mean, I could go on and, and I don't think you can, you can get rid of that, but I think you can move past it. And I've seen a lot of people do it. So I don't think we're stuck with it. I really don't. And I've seen a lot of people make some remarkable um, changes in their life that liberated them enough to be exactly who they wanted to be. And I don't care what orientation, you know, we're talking about men specifically, I don't care what their orientation is. I've seen them be very uptight gay men and very uptight straight men. And I've seen 
the exact opposite, very liberated, free gay men, very liberated, free heterosexual men. I think that it's all possible, but I don't think we're stuck with it. I think we can change. Not only do I think we can change, I think depending upon the circumstance, you can turn on a dime and be a very different kind of person very quickly. That's how it falls out. When we started trying to at least be more accepting in the trans community and it became more visible and more awareness, again, far from it because we still have a huge issue with that in our country, a lot of my friends whom I had known my entire life as men started to come out as trans. A surprising number, I think, at least in my community, you know, I'm in a medieval reenactment community where we put on armor and we fight very tough, you know, burly, masculine. And some of these big, burly, tough, masculine guys that I've known since I was a kid, I now know that they're my sisters and not my brothers, including someone that was very, very close to me that I had no idea. And I was like, okay, I, this is brand new to me. I'm very surprised, but awesome. Let's do this. Let's, let's make this happen for you. And so I, I do feel like there's kind of a critical mass of I'm seeing people around me come out and their life isn't ending <laughs> and things are going okay for them. And the community is showing them support as a whole. I now feel comfortable coming out to take that big leap. And I think it does still, even then takes a huge amount of courage. And I think that, you know, in some ways we need to redefine what courage is. It's easy to imagine Marines storming a beach under fire courage. But coming out as a trans kid in middle America, living that every day, dealing with all of the questions and wonderment and antagonism towards that, that's some serious courage. And I don't think we give that enough respect and we don't really support that as, as we should. I'm very proud of my community for being, as far as I can tell, genuinely supportive of the people in our community that have come out as trans. I'd like to see more of that and more continuation of that support I also know that we are a very self-selecting and pretty liberal community. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, yeah, we are. If you and I run in any kind of similar circles, we're far more progressive and liberal than many. And I do think that, you know, coming out trans is incredibly difficult. And think about today, a young kid who is, they hear it in the news every mm -hmm. single day. There's try somebody trying to pass a law um, that says, you know, they shouldn't be who they are. That is courage. I agree. And even within the queer community, the LGBTQ community, we still have issues. There's something going on now with a particular event and the accusations of transphobia, which I have no reason not to believe based on, on who's saying it. In the queer community is there. I mean, so it's everywhere. We don't make progress, again, in sequential linear ways. We do it in fits and starts and you, something big happens and then it rolls back again and then you have to push forward again and it's a little bit farther next time but yeah i agree with you it takes a lot of courage it takes courage to come out trans it, it takes courage to be exactly who you are whoever that is because most of us are only approximations of who we are we're pretending to be something else at all times when if we get honest some of us pretend less but we all pretend to some extent all of us and i think that to move past that whether it's a little thing or a big thing like coming out as trans, it takes some courage, different amounts of it, but it definitely takes courage. So I agree with you. I keep hoping we, li we live in a culture that just lets people be whoever they are, whoever that is, just doesn't really matter. We're not there. I've, I'm not sure we'll be entirely there in my lifetime, but we're better than we were, despite some of the news we hear. 
Okay, I'm going to break the conversation in half here. In the second part of the conversation, we talk a bit about how this has been made into a political football and both manliness and also a lot of the prejudice and attacks on trans and gay people have really infiltrated politics in the last few years, how that's become a political football and a very negative thing for the community. I will be releasing part two on Wednesday, so you don't have to wait very long. If this conversation sparked any questions or comments you'd like to send in, please reach out to me. You can find me at wickedfellow.com. You can also reach out to me on Instagram, Twitter, or directly through the website. I always appreciate your feedback, and I believe that it really makes the show better. Again, thanks to Ray Spannon for being so generous with his time. I love having him on the show, and I always learn a lot when I speak with him. As always, consent is king. Take very good care of each other, and I'll see you next week.